0: well welcome to church welcome light city welcome our light city family if you're new to the stream if you found your way here if somebody sent you a link we just want to say welcome we are so so grateful um, that you decided to take a little bit of time and spend a little bit of time with us this morning Uh, i know that the word and what god is doing this morning uh, it's no accident that you're here but that if you'll stay tuned and tune in i know that something will bless you and and help you have a great rest of your day. Uh, I just wanted to say a huge, huge thank you uh, to everyone. You know, as we, each of us really navigate through this crazy time that we're living in, I just want to say a huge thank you to each of you uh, for your patience with us as we're really doing our best to navigate, you know, how do we get through this with all the, really the uncertainty and all the changes and everything that's going on uh, in our heart too. know, keep everybody safe and also to to be wise with, you know, the finances and the help and the volunteers. Uh, We're just so grateful for your patience and your understanding as we really work to, as a family, navigate through this challenging time. I mean, the doors are going to open. Uh, We are in the process of figuring everything out, but with everything changing so quickly, uh, it's proved to be Definitely more challenging than we thought maybe last time at this year. And I also want to say a huge thank you to to each and every one of you that has continued to give to uh, the ministry through this time of really transition and change. Uh, it's because of your generosity. You know, churches are closing. Churches are losing their buildings. Churches are, you know, having to really work hard to adapt to the change. But it's because of your generosity that... The message of Jesus Christ is continuing to be preached. The, the, the thousands, the tens of thousands of people that have been able to be ministered to through our channel and through different programs that we have on the church happens because of your continued generosity. So I just wanted to start today's service by saying a huge, huge thank you. Well, as we jump into to uh, my notes today, we are in week two of our April series this month called settled, that we are settled. We're settled on God. We're settled on God's promises, and we are looking forward to the future. So, so really, I don't want to start this message off by sounding negative, uh, but I got to tell you something. I am really, really tired of all the negativity that's happening in the world right now. I mean, anyone else feeling that way? You know, that no matter where you look or wherever you turn to, it seems as though something crazy is happening, you know? in the news, you know, you flip it on, maybe accidentally at this point, and you know, you're hearing about, you know, more people out there are dying. You're hearing about jobs are vanishing, that the economy is continuing to struggle, that businesses are being challenged to to stay open. You know, the, the nation is divided, and some are for this and others are for that. And, you know, it seems honestly that we are at the end of the world as we know it. And here's the truth, right? We are easily sucked into the news. You know, we find ourselves feeling unsettled. We find ourselves feeling anxious. And, and I guess most of all, probably the majority of us are asking, are we ever going to get back to normal? You know, or if you're like me, you know, and you know, I, I, I try not to be in the news that much because I found myself, you know, going through this challenging season really emotionally edgy, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm one moment away from a blow up that small things are just making me angry that, you know, I'm finding myself maybe at different times in my life significantly more easily discouraged by the changes and the challenges. And today we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about what does it look like to lean into the positive. What does it look like to be settled on the promises of God and the word of God that it would lead us into having a positive mindset? And you know, a few months back after going through kind of the different challenges that uh, my family went through, you know, with Danielle and I talked about that stuff last week, I began to think about this season and we were kind of forced to at this point to begin to ask this question, how is this season going to impact our lives for the good? Right? I mean, like we're, we're told how it's gonna influence our lives for the negative, we're told how it's gonna challenge us and it's gonna be difficult for us. But I began to ask myself, how is this season going to impact my life for the good? And you know, I thought about one really simple way is that, you know, finally I'll have, you know, my dad phrase, right? Like, you know, how some of our parents, you know, they had to somehow they walked uphill to school in the snow And then when they walked home from school, they still had to walk uphill kind of a thing. You know, I realized that I now have this dad phrase, right? So like when my kids wanna go out for an example, and you know, I I don't want them to go out or they can't go out at that time. And they try to complain to me. I can tell them like, look guys, I know you think it bad right now, but I was locked in my house for months at a time. And they told me that if I go out of my house, we're surely gonna die. So I I realized that, you know, I now have my thing. And, you know, as we continue to talk about these different things, uh, I just, you know, wanted to to say, as we're kind of in the middle of it is that, you know, I'm not instructing people not to be smart, right? I, I think that we should wash our hands. I think that we should do our very best to, you know, social distance to the best that we can, that you should follow the guidelines and wear your mask. But here's the deal, above all of those things, I think that each of us should stay positive, right? Stay in faith, keep trusting, keep believing God, stay and remain settled on the promises of God, stay settled on the nature of God and reminding ourselves that although the world is challenged right now, God is still on the throne. He's still in control and God still today, the same way he was two years ago, God is still good and most of all that we are to fight for faith because here's the truth is that a negative outlook never led to a positive life. And so I want to take a little bit of time this morning to to really talk through and, and talk about why I am you know unshakably optimistic about the future that in the midst of all the craziness, I have found a way to remain unshakably optimistic about what God is still yet to do in our lives. So Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning. We pray for your goodness in each of our lives, that as we unpack your scripture and your word, you'd help us to see, to grow, to understand your true nature, your good nature, that we may continue to be forever settled on the truth of of who you are That we're like the ones who build their house on the rock that way when the wind and the waves come the challenges of life come and try to buffet us that we remain strong and solid because our belief is built on something more something bigger something eternal and that is you your word and your nature we thank you for that in jesus name amen so as we jump into the message today You know really the the first time in scripture that we see this unshakably optimistic perspective um, is in a guy named abraham and and well in fact when we first meet abraham his name isn't abraham his name is abram god later changes his name to abraham something we're not going to get into um but we're going to talk about abram um, because you know there's one really significant thing about abram's life and you know, yes, it was the covenant that God made to him. But the first thing that was really significant was that Abraham, Abram didn't have the ability to have kids. And at this time in life, you know, and, and still today, there's many people who struggle to have children. and It's a challenge. And, and 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 it was the same in Abram's life is that he had lots of money, had lots of wealth, had lots of stuff, had lots of land, had lots of goats, which I guess was pretty significant back in the day. But he didn't have a kid and and God shows up on the scene as I I paraphrase the story and in Genesis chapter 15 God gives Abram this promise that he would be the father of many nations now how many of you know that in order to be the father of many nations you at least have to start with one kid and you know I can imagine like the majority of us who've received a promise from God or read a promise from God in the scripture and know we're really really excited about it the next day we're thinking about it we're talking about it but then oftentimes for us as as time goes by our unshakably optimistic perspective begins to be buffeted or challenged and we find ourselves you know going from unshakable optimism maybe to realism then often so many of us find ourselves in pessimism but This wasn't the story in Abram's life and and the significant portion of of, of why this is so cool is that Abram receives the promise from God in Genesis chapter 15 but doesn't actually meet his son Isaac the promised son until Genesis chapter 21. Now if you are a studious person for you to read from Genesis 15 to Genesis chapter 21 will maybe take you you know 15 20 minutes but for Abram was 25 years and it's crazy for me how do we remain unshakably optimistic you know not for 25 minutes for the rest of the service today because chances are you could be pretty optimistic for the rest of the service chances are you could be pretty optimistic for the rest of the day I mean I'm I'm really packing to you know to, to hit you with some good material here and you know maybe it'll last you two weeks or three weeks or a month but but Abram discovered something that made him unshakably optimistic, unshakably confident for 25 years. And what gave him this confidence? What what caused him to remain so settled inside of the the, the challenging season as he waits on the promise of God? And and I mean, I would say that it's it's this time, the 25 years that he waits and that he was forced to grow in his confidence, grow in his faith, grow in his belief, grow in his settledness towards God nature that enabled him to, you know, later on in Isaac's life, God asked him to sacrifice his son and he goes to a mountain getting ready to sacrifice. And, and it was that sacrifice that that enabled God to be able to send Jesus to make the ultimate sacrifice to save us. And so as I read the story, I realize maybe there's something to understand about remaining unshakably optimistic. Now let me qualify this statement because optimism is not a denial of reality. You know, it's, it's not like sometimes I can be this way where things can be happening. The world could be burning around me and I generally feel like, yeah, you know, it's all good. You know, it's, it's just, you know, it's not a big deal. Like, could be a little bit, you know, denial in the sense of, you know, there's a lot that probably needs to be addressed here. In the world right now, there really are a lot of challenges. You right now are facing a lot of very real challenges and pretending that they aren't there isn't what optimism is. It's also not blind faith. It's it's not this naive hope that one day God is going to swoop in and Change everything for me. It's not, you know, wishful thinking. It's not just this blind hope that one day, somehow, I don't know how, I'm not really doing anything different. It's just going to all work out. That's not what optimism is. You see, optimism, or at least as it's defined, is, is confidence about the future or confidence that there's going to be a successful outcome. And, and, and if I can add some spiritual weight to this as we talk about God in our unshakable confidence, is this, is that optimism is the unwavering expectation that our loving God is working in every situation for our good. And, and this is really what I want to spend some time talking about this morning as we unpack this reality about who God is. So let's take a minute now and talk about the apostle Paul, because I mean, this guy went through a lot of stuff and, 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 and really was able to, in a new Testament experience who is, you know, kindred to us was able to remain unshakably optimistic. And, and in Romans chapter 8, 28, you know, he writes kind of this famous scripture and it says this, that, that we know that in, in all things, in, in all things, right. And you know, all things, you know, the, the impossible boss that you have, the financial setback that you're facing, you know, maybe the the, the painful breakup that you just went through, the, the irritating inconvenience that's maybe happening in your life right now as you watch this message, the, the crushing disappointment that something didn't work out the way that it was supposed to work out. Paul says, in all things, it says, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purposes. And I've realized something as I've walked through different situations of life that that even a negative situation, it still holds the potential to produce a positive purpose. And this is why I remain unwavering in my expectation because I know that my God, my loving, good, Uh, father, he has the ability to make all things work together for my good. That means right now in the situation that you're in, maybe you can't see God or feel God. Maybe it doesn't even seem like God is anywhere around you, but I can promise you something that God is working for the good in this situation you're facing right now. But let's take a pause for a second. And we want to know What are the things that you think about? Right? Like, how do you actually see your future? You know, because so many of us that that our thoughts are they're consumed with, you know, negativity. They are consumed with worry. They're consumed with fear or anxiety or doubt and and, and, and here's the deal, is that we are constantly being bombarded by bad news all the time. And, and I've realized this, it's, it's actually really easy in the world right now to feel anxious. It's really easy to feel fearful. But, but here's the deal, is that, is that what consumes your mind has the ability to control your life. And, 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 and that the life that we have, the life that we're living right now is simply a reflection of the thoughts that each of us think on a continued basis. This is why the scripture says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And so if we are, you know, we're, we're focused on, you know, the world is, it's just so in trouble. And you know, you just, you can't trust anybody and everything is going wrong. And you know, I just hate all the circumstances that I'm in. And chances are, that's not going to lead us to living the best day of our lives. And, you know, this is important because, you know, the quality of our life, the quality of our experience can never exceed the quality of our thoughts, right? And this is why we're talking about optimism, because this is actually the problem with the opposite guy, pessimism, or having a critically negative mindset and you know and even experts will talk about this where pessimism is concerned is that you know <clears throat> a pessimist will tend to view negative events really for, for for two negative reasons and and that is they view their negative events as personal as in you know it, it, it's my fault and as permanent right and so you know a personal side of this is you know this bad situation it's my fault it's it, it, it's, be, it's happening because I'm not good enough. It's happening, oh, I told you because I'm just such a failure or, or, or I'm unworthy of anything good ever happening to me. I'm incapable or oh, I always just blow it. I just can never seem to do anything right. It's like two steps forward and 10 steps backwards. And, and that's the personal side, but also a pessimist views things as permanent. And that is that you know, bad things always happen to me. You know, like you ever heard someone say that? Like, of course, right? Of course this would happen to me. Or they would say, oh, this always happens. Yeah, they view the circumstances of life that they're never going to change. And the worst part about this is that these things lead to a victim mentality. When God has called us to, to not be victims, but he's called us to be victors, right? And, And victim mentality leads us to feel like, you know, like, oh, the economy is just shot and, you know, I'm never gonna get ahead and I'm never gonna get that job that I so desperately wanted. It's never gonna happen to me and this virus is just unstoppable. And, you know, we're just gonna be stuck living indoors for the rest of our lives, wearing 18 masks. And, you know, the world is just never gonna be safe again. Look at all the chaos and it can never go back to anything good. And I've realized this, that that being content, that being satisfied, being blessed, being optimistic, you know, it's not the result of some state of affairs. It's, it's not that people are happy because everything goes right for them. They, everything works out for them. So obviously that's why they're happy. You know, being optimistic isn't a state of affairs. It is, in fact, a state of mind. Because what consumes your mind will control your life. So here's the question then. What actually consumes your thoughts? You know, is it, is it faith for the future? Is, are you, is your mind so consumed by the goodness of God and the promises of God? And no matter what happens, you have this eternally optimistic perspective knowing that my God, you know, shall supply. And that if God is for me, who and what can be against me? Is that my? Thought process? Is this what consumes me? Or are my thoughts consumed with fear? You know, what if it's fear? What if we're sitting down right now and feeling that feeling of, yeah, you know what? I I mean, the last time I thought about God was last Sunday when you talked to me for 45 minutes. And the majority of my life is consumed with fear, it is consumed with dread, it is consumed with, you know, this. This, this nonstop selfish motivation. And here's the truth, is that the majority of us, all of us, at different seasons of our life, live here. And, and I've realized something as I have walked myself through this process, is, is the way that we deal with the things that consume our mind, the way that we deal with these fears or these worries, is, is actually a really cool and really simple thing is that we starve our fears and we feed our faith. Because here's the thing, whatever we feed grows, right? Like my kid, she grows. And sometimes you're like, how did you get to be this big? And I realize this is the result of, you know, proper nutrition and all the different things. Because whatever you feed grows, whatever you give time and attention to grows. And whatever we starve dies. So how do we do this? I mean, how to practically how do we walk through this in our life is, is this, is that we, at least in my own life, how have I done this is that, you know, when COVID and all the stuff in the world first hit, I, I'll say it, I was obsessed with the news. I mean, like literally every free second that I had, I was watching the news, listening to the news. I was on YouTube. I was reading something. And I realized that it was robbing my ability to remain optimistic. And so I realized that I have to limit the consumption of news. I had dinner with a couple of the guys from church the other night and I was talking to them about how in the morning I give myself 30 minutes. And in this 30 minutes, I consume all the information that's happening in the world. Any articles that are talking about the world, I limit that to 30 minutes in the morning you know because it is important you know to still understand what's going on in the world for purposes of prayer and understanding but i limit my consumption of the news i limit my consumption of negative voices be it on the media on facebook on instagram or maybe even toxic people in our life who are chronically negative and i can find myself being dragged down the hole with them so i limit my my exposure, I, I, I limit my consumption of negative things and that's how I starve them. But now let me show you what it looks like or what it feels like to feed my faith. And, and I'm going to show you this and, and we're going to talk about it in the life of Paul. We're going to continue on in Romans chapter 8 here. As I, as I show you this process or, or, or my way in my daily time that I spend with God, how do I read the scripture from a meditative perspective? Because I don't just read the scripture. I heard a preacher say one time, I don't read the scripture. I let the scripture read me. I'm not just in it to do some religious activity, but I want to put myself into the story so that I can glean and understand why was Paul able to talk the way he did, be the way that he did, and so. We're going to go and spend a little bit of time now in Romans chapter eight. And and the first thing that we always want to remember about reading the scriptures is context. Okay, context is very important. Sometimes we miss the meaning or we miss the message or the depth of the message because we don't understand the context. And so the very first thing about that's significant about Romans chapter eight is that Romans chapter eight follows Romans chapter seven. And I love Romans chapter seven because Paul is a mess, right? And and I don't know about you, but I love reading about strong biblical characters that are a mess because it makes me feel like okay, like if Paul couldn't figure it out, then I don't really feel so bad about myself. And and in Romans chapter seven, you know, it's kind of the famous passage where Paul's like, you know, why do I do the things that I don't want to do, and I don't do the things that I know that I should do? And oh, what a, he's basically says, what a. You know, piece of garbage, human being, I am. And and then we get into Romans chapter eight and we realize that Paul doesn't just sit in this negativity. But Romans chapter eight turns over and Paul starts talking himself towards faith. He says this in, in Romans chapter eight, right? He starts talking about, you know, like, therefore now, like, you know, I was feeling bad and I was beating myself up. uh, But here's the thing right now in this moment, I'm not going to stay there. But now right there is, you know, there's no condemnation in Christ. So listen, first off, I got to stop beating myself up for maybe not being as good as I want to be. and he goes on to say, you know, those who, who walk according to the spirit, right? That they're going to experience such a great life. And, you know, we, we, then he goes into talking to how and, you know, how do I do this? Is that I got to keep my mind. I got to keep my mind on Christ. And if my mind is set on fleshly things, then I'm going to desire fleshly things. But if my mind is on the spirit, then it's going to lead to life. And those people whose minds are on the spirit are led by the spirit. And these are the children of God. And Paul talks himself out of his negativity. Then he goes a step further. You know, he tells us that, listen, here's the deal. This is how you do it is you got to talk yourself out of your mess. And then in Romans chapter 818, he goes on and he says this, he kind of kindred to us and then he says, I consider that our present sufferings. How many of you would say right now that you are experiencing some present Sufferings, He says that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. That yes, we're going through stuff and it's not a denial of circumstances. But Paul says, this suffering, oh, when you see what's going to come out of you, when you see the result of your perseverance through this troubling situation, it doesn't even compare it. And, and here's the deal is, you know, we, we, we have to remind ourselves who is the guy who's writing this story. And, and obviously, as we've said, Paul's the guy who's writing the story. And, you know, if there's anyone in Scripture who has suffered, it's Paul. Like, I mean, this dude's story is basically like one event of suffering to the next, right? Scripture tells us that he was imprisoned multiple times, wrongfully at times. He, he was five times. He endured 40 lashes, which is basically like being whipped with a cat of nine tails within an inch of your life. And three times he was beaten with rods. And you know, it says that he was stoned with rocks to the place of death. He was shipwrecked. He spent a night at sea. He was bit by snakes. He was betrayed by friends. He was beaten and left for dead. And it was this Paul, this guy who says these present sufferings, right? as he's going through some really real things. It's so aware that they are nothing in comparison as to what God will do, the good that will come because God intervenes in the situation. He says these present sufferings are, they're not even worth comparing to the glory that's coming. Let me ask you this, are you feeling hurting? Are you, you know, have you you lost something? Have you lost someone? Are you experiencing a hardship? You know, maybe you're facing a job loss. Maybe, you know, you're worried sick about getting sick. Maybe you're, you know, battling a disease. Maybe you're battling cancer. Maybe you're in the middle of a really intense relational challenge. Maybe your marriage isn't as good as it used to be. Maybe you're estranged from your children. Maybe you just had a friend betray you. Maybe you're finding it really hard to still be working from home while trying to figure out how to give your children somewhat of a normal experience. And Paul says these present sufferings, they're not even worth comparing to what's coming. What's Paul saying? He's letting us know that the struggle that we face today is producing the strength that I need to succeed tomorrow. Church, this is what he's telling us. He's saying like, listen, you know, we're gonna go through stuff. Jesus says, you're gonna go through challenges. That's what life on earth is all about. But but if we can just endure, if we can just stay settled, stay rooted and grounded in the nature of God, Paul tells us that you can't even begin to compare the the, the glory, the beauty of what this is going to produce in your life as we watch God turn all things out for our good, that we live and remain in this unwavering expectation that our loving Father is is, is actively producing and using and, and instructing and moving everything that needs to be done in every situation of my life to produce a good outcome that I desire. So I starve my fears. I limit the amount of time I'm spending reading about things, seeing things, listening to things. I'm, I'm feeding my faith that as I'm in the scripture, I'm, I'm putting myself there and I'm thinking about it. and I'm meditating on it. And I'm chewing on it. And I'm renewing my thoughts away from the junk of the world and onto the truth of, of God's nature. And, because I realized that my strongest thoughts are always producing my life's direction. So let's read on. He, he goes on to say in Romans chapter 8, verses 26, he says this, he says, in the same way, right? So he's, he's pumping us up and he's letting us know everything is good and, and God's intervening. And then he says, listen, here's the thing. In the same way, the spirit helps us in our weakness. And, And can I tell you something, church? This is amazing news, right? It's amazing news when you feel incapable. It's amazing news when you feel unsure. It's amazing news when you feel uncertain. It's it's amazing news when you feel worn out because it says that the spirit helps us in our weakness. And so I have to remind myself that God's nature, it's settled. It's unchanging. The promises are irrevocable that I am never alone, that I am never uh, uh, overburdened, that I am never crushed or perplexed. It's, it's never the end. But the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is living and active and moving and making a way on the inside of me. But let me ask you, is anyone this morning feeling maybe a little bit weak? You feeling a little discouraged a little overwhelmed a little exhausted right and you know maybe you've heard people say this thing that you know like well that's you know it's great that you think that he helps us but but here's the truth is that you know brother alex you know god helps those who help themselves and and i gotta tell you something that is just absolutely not the truth scripture is telling us is that the ones that god's help are the ones that need his help the ones that are weak, the ones that are broken, the ones that are desperate, God says that he's near to those people. The scripture says that when we're hurting, he's our comfort. When we're confused, he's our guide. When we're discouraged, he is our hope. When we're anxious, he's our peace. When we're weak, the Bible says he is our strength. Let me tell you, church, if you feel like you just can't take another day, another step, another moment, Bible promises us that He is our strength. He is our help. It goes on later to say in Romans chapter 8, 28, it says this, that we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him and who've been called according to His purposes. Can I be honest with you, church? You know, there are there are some days that I Love, And then there are some days that I work really, really hard to just endure. You know, there are days that I get some amazing good news. And there are other days that I hear some things, experience some things that are pretty heartbreaking. But can I tell you something that these temporary moments these temporary setbacks, these temporary challenges, they do not change God's eternal nature. You see, he is settled. God is faithful. If you can see it, if you can't see it, if you can feel him, if you can't feel him, if it seems that there's a way, if it doesn't seem like there's a way, can I tell you something? He is always there. He's always the guy, you know, behind the scenes, making things and moving things. And even though you don't even necessarily know that he's there, he's working it out. And then all of a sudden you wake up and everything has changed. And you look back and you're like, I'm so thankful that I went through that challenge because it produced this on the inside of me. His nature is settled. You know, we could talk about this in the sense of happiness. You know, and oftentimes people can say that, you know, here's the key, you know, the key to happiness is to lower your expectations. You know, if you if you don't expect much, when nothing much happens, you won't be disappointed. And, and can I tell you something that as believers, this ought not be the way we feel about the future, right? Our future is settled. The promise of God is settled. So can I tell you something? Instead of lowering your expectations in a season of challenge, I'm gonna charge you to raise your expectation in the presence and the power and the faithfulness of God that he is always true to his word. And so I can bet the bank. I can bet the farm. I can go all in because I understand that he is the one who's with me and he is leading me and he is guiding me and he is the one who is in front of me and he is the God that's behind me and that he has surrounded me. My future is settled. You know, I've been thinking about this. hearing it so much lately about people talking about going, I just can't wait to get back to normal, right? I can't wait for things to just go back to normal. We could just, you know, get back to the way things used to be. And and can I tell you something? I've got more faith than that. I don't want to just go back to normal, right? Because here's the truth is that back honestly wasn't that great. Right? Maybe it was better than what it is maybe now, but what behind us wasn't great. It wasn't like everything was perfect back there. And so I've decided that I'm not trying to go back to normal. I'm going to better than normal. That my future is better than what it was before. That the problems I had back there, my future is settled. My future is secure. There may be mountains behind me. all oh, but there is gray, green pastures in front of me. My future is better than my past. I'm not trying to get back to normal because I'm going forward into better than normal. I'm optimistic that In the future, that marriages are going to be stronger. I'm optimistic that families are going to be closer, that that the love that we feel towards people is going to be deeper, that that our generosity towards what God is doing is going to be greater, that that as Christians, that we're going to be bolder and louder, that, that as a church, that our light is going to shine brighter and that the harvest that's to come is bigger than anything we've ever experienced. We're going into better than normal. Now here's the thing. You might not like the present pain. And here's the truth. Very rarely does anyone enjoy it. But when I understand that there is purpose in my pain, when I understand that this pain is bringing me into the better, all of a sudden there's purpose in this pain. And Paul goes on. He kind of finishes it off with this in Romans chapter 8, 38 and 39. He says, For I am convinced. Right? Last chapter, he's fallen apart. He's a wretched, garbage human being who can't even do the right thing. And he talks himself through the challenge. He meditates on the nature of God and the truth of God. And and we meet him just one chapter later and And in one minute, he's lost and perplexed and beaten himself up. And now he says that, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord, What's he saying? He's saying, no matter where I go, my God is there. No matter what I do, my God still loves me. No matter what happens to me, no matter what trouble comes, no matter what circumstance I endure, I know that my God is for me and I have an unwavering expectation that my loving, good, faithful father is working out every detail for the future that he has promised to me. His nature is settled. He's bigger than your problems. He's better than what's behind you. He is self-defined, exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond all you could ask or think or imagine. This is the God that we put our hope in. This is the God that we trust in. This is the God whose nature is settled. Let me tell you, my optimism is not denial. My optimism isn't that I'm just trying to pretend that, well, everything around me is burning down, that everything is just okay. No, my optimism is based in the fact that my God, he never fails, he never quits, he never sleeps, he never slumbers, that his eye is on me, that he's with me and for me, he's in my future and he's in my past and I am determined. That no matter what I face, I'm determined to produce the glory and the goodness that he promised to me. Why? Because his nature is settled. And I have decided to believe that. So I want to take a minute and I want to pray for each and every one of us. I feel like if we're honest, probably the majority of us are facing this in some way or another, wishing that, you know, 2020 would just like magically disappear. We could just pretend that none of it happened and wishing that we could get back to things or struggling sometimes with the experience that we're having right now, that things just, man, you know, 2021 ticked over and it didn't just take away all of my pain, but I'm still right in the middle of it. And you're looking at me and you'd say, Alex, I've become a pessimist, really having a hard time figuring out how all this is going to work together. And this morning, I'm going to ask if that's you in just one second, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and whether you're at home or you're in church somewhere, I think there's something that happens to us internally when we respond externally. If that's you, if you're saying, listen, I need a dose of this optimism. I need to get my mind right. I need to fix my thoughts and my attention onto things that are good. I'm going to ask you on the count of three to just raise your hand. One, two, three, you can slip it up and put it right down. I'd say I see those hands, but we all know that's a lie. I believe that what God is doing in our future as families, as a church, as a church family, This setback is a setup for something amazing. I honestly believe that. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I'm praying over every man, every woman, every person that is hearing the sound of my voice right now. And, you know, we come to you, some of us weak, some of us broken, some of us discouraged. And first off, we thank you that that you embrace the weary, that you, you're near to the broken, that you are strength to those who are weak. And we ask, Father, where maybe we've given all of our attention onto the things of this world and we've allowed the temporary circumstances to affect how we feel about your eternal nature. And we ask this morning for the grace switch, the grace to change, the grace to think new thoughts, the grace to believe new things about the glorious future that you have in us. We, we reject all the trauma that would try to make us feel that the challenges that we've gone through in the last 18 months somehow have determined or set in stone our future. Instead, Father, we know that your promises for us. You gave us some of those promises that you gave us full well-knowing that all of this stuff was going to happen, and yet you were not shaken. We declare today that we are optimists. We do believe that the future is bright. The future is better. We're not trying to get back to normal. We're trying to move into the better, the glorious future you have for us. In Jesus' name and before we close really quickly, maybe you found your way onto our stream. Maybe you've been, you know, grew up a Christian and you walked away from God. You just really didn't understand and you're finding yourself in a crisis like a lot of the rest of us. And you're saying, I needed this Jesus. I need this relationship with him. The Bible tells us that if we simply confess with our mouths and believe in our heart that, that Jesus is the son of God, the savior of the world, that we would be saved. And so I'm gonna invite you as our church family, wherever you are right now, to just repeat this prayer out loud after me as we profess our belief in Jesus. Say, Heavenly Father, I'm a sinner and I need a savior. Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God sent from heaven to be the savior of the world. I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that you are this savior, you're my savior and I receive you as my savior and Lord. Cleanse me, fill me, lead me, and guide me into the glorious future you have for me. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.